JM and the AM on a Thursday. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. I'm smiling because I think Rabbi Goldwasser's final statement in that morning chizuk is a perfect lead-up to our next guest. It has been a long time, unfortunately, uh, since we've had Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz in studio, but fortunately he is here this morning. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is founding dean of Yeshiva Darche Noam of Muncie, New York. <clears throat> he is an innovative educator, author, and child safety advocate. He published child safety books that are in 70,000-plus homes, because I think at this point it's already over 100,000, in three languages, as well as beginner Gemara and Chumash workbooks. Rabbi Horowitz conducts child abuse prevention and parenting workshops in Jewish communities around the world, received the prestigious 2008 Covenant Award in recognition of his contribution to Jewish education. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, welcome to JM in the AM. Oh, Nachum, it's a pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. Yes, yes, 10 years. Um, I thought of you, um, as I said to you when we saw each other in person, for a variety of reasons, every time a Unfortunately, every time I hear about a high-profile child abuse case in our community, I think of you. Every time I see a struggling student in elementary school who cannot make uh, heads or tails of what Aramaic is all about, I think of you. And frankly, when I spoke earlier this week on the air to Miriam Schwab, I thought of you because Miriam Schwab is a woman who was offered, uh, she heads a very prominent um, a company in Israel. She wears a head covering a very appropriate head covering on a regular basis. She is noticeably orthodox, let's put it that way. And when asked uh, by a major publication to uh, do a profile on her, she said that uh, she asked if they plan on publishing a picture of her, and they said no, so she turned it down. She did say uh, to me uh, during the conversation that if it would be a publication that would publish no pictures of anybody, she would have agreed. And when they did say they would compromise with her and have a sketch of her, as opposed to a real photo, she said, "If you're going to sketch, sketch the guys, right? You're going to sketch the men. I will do it. But if not, then etc." We spoke with her. It was a very interesting conversation. Some people accused us of being divisive. I don't know about it being divisive. So, <laughs> so what? What right? else is known? <laughs> exactly. And the reason I thought of you when she was on is because, and in fact, I quoted you. Um, you had given us a couple of unique perspectives when I saw you about this whole issue. One of them, which she really enjoyed, was. Um, uh, was the perspective of, you know, what what do you think of us as men if you think we can't handle, you know, pictures of properly dressed, you know, headshots of women in our community? That's number one. And the second thing, the second point that you had made to us was that if if we are not going to give our daughters uh, role models, role models proper yeah. role models to view, to see, and to, you know, internalize based on those photos, then the only photos they will be seeing will be, you know, pe- people who are who are who are likely not involved in what our community likes people to be involved yeah. with. See, that wasn't controversial the way you said that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was very PC. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's. I, I think that this move over the past twenty-five years, I, I don't think it's it's. Uh, I don't think it's a step forward. I, I, and I, and you know, look, you know, thank God, Nachum, you and I. We're cut from the same cloth. We speak our minds. People agree. People disagree. That's okay. Um, but you know, I, I I do feel very strongly that that on so many levels, this is this is very problematic. Including, uh, which you didn't mention, I, I put on my Facebook page a few uh, when about a year ago, two years ago. Um, I wrote eight different reasons why I think this is very hard. This is really not a good idea. And one of them is like, what message are we giving to our daughters? 
Um, we have a 10-year-old granddaughter. Um, she has a chumash party. She has an event in her school. She's starting a new whatever. Um, they have an event. The boys' school has an event. Why is her brother's uh, event worthy of um, publishing? Publishing, yeah. You know, if it didn't, you didn't. If it's not there, it didn't happen, right? right? So, I mean, well, it, it's just on so many levels. And I think what she did, I, 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 I commend her for her stand. Um, you know, when, when I was on on Miriam's show, I, I mentioned about our own dinner when right. I, we had our yeshiva dinner. Um, I I only made one condition with the board, and that was that every publication, it's not going to say Rabbi and Mrs., it's going to say Rabbi Yaakov and Odi Horowitz. And uh, we did this on our wedding invitations. I didn't do the Reyes, I think. Right. Um, she's my wife. She's my best friend and my partner, and we do things together. And I said that there, there, I wanted, it has to be a picture of my wife and I together. And when they said that some publications won't run the ads, I said, then we just won't run the ads. I said, uh, I'm sorry. And I, I, I made no other conditions. Right. And they followed through with that Look, to whatever degree they right. could. Right. You know, most, most what happens is usually the moderates roll over. Right. And the extremists are extreme. Right. The moderates are moderate in their positions. Right. And they're moderate in the way they advocate for those positions. Right. Extremists are extremists in positions and are extremists about speaking up. Right. So... Most people, you and I, um, you know, we're wired differently. Right. But most people, yeah, you don't picture, no picture, whatever. Right. But the question is, are we, I mean, is, is this a battle worth fighting? It, it seems that very often, if not always, because of what you just described, the, the way the extreme people deal with these things, it seems like we always end up losing these things. Is losing the wrong word? Well, yeah, well it's, not, it's, not, it's not a question of losing. What happens is when... when when people in the middle are silent, and it, it's not a, I don't look at it like it's a battle. It's not a battle. The world's not going to come to an end. It didn't come to an end without the pictures being there. But I think we should, I think we should um, speak up. Speak right. up and express our opinions. There's nothing, it's healthy to have disagreements respectfully. I think that that's another part of it. Right. And also, I mean, and, and we'll move on to other topics in a minute, but there, you know, there's the whole, we understand, everybody listening understand, even those who don't observe, understand the importance of adhering to to halachic Judaism. Everyone understands the importance, of, no matter what, to whatever degree we do, in fact, adhere. But when things are introduced that are not part of halachic Judaism, where, where, where if we gathered 30 rabbis, and you could choose 15 and I could choose 15, and brought them into this room and asked them, does anybody feel... That a picture of Miriam Schwab, her headshot, you know, with her head covering in a business section of a magazine, is a halachic problem. I, I would, I would assume all thirty, if they were being honest, would. I, I couldn't think of any who would say that. It's, right. I, that I couldn't think of a single one who would say. It's so a when problem. we start to drift into areas that are not halachic and 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 do and do these things with again the result very often, which we don't see right away, you know, being that. We believe that, you know, our daughters or the daughters of the community are, I don't want to use the word suffering, but, you know, that there that, that there's a statement being made to them and about them. It, it, it's, it's even more troubling. If it was yeah. a halachic issue, it would right. be and, easier and, to deal with. Correct, and, and it, it's more than that. When, you know, I was an eighth grade rabbi for 15 years, and I ran my yeshiva for over 20. Um, during that time, I was always careful with my students to specify this is a halacha, 
a, a Jewish law. Right. This is a minig. This is a custom. This is common practice. And this is whatever. Like right. I always said, these four categories. So <laughs> the know, last one is off the charts. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's really important because what happens is, uh, my, one of my rabbis used to say, "Alice is usur, Alice is mitter. If everything is forbidden, everything is right. Everyone's going to do it. Everything's no, then no, right. then everything is. If everything is forbidden, right, the, and you don't have moderation, then everything becomes okay right. because you can't. It, it, and and. It's the same thing with with um, with children abandoning religion. We have, you know, you say we we have certain boundaries. When we grew up, um, the 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 guardrails, you know, on the two sides of the road were much wider than they are today. Um, there was more tolerance for kids who dressed differently. Right. Kids, and and so what happens is, I always tell people, every time you act astringency, whenever you enact astringency, you're telling a certain percentage of the of the people that you're really not welcoming. Right. So you wind up narrowing uh, uh, the, the, the place where we should, instead of opening and being more open, you wind up narrowing it because you're offending people or some people don't find this practice okay. And I think it's really important. You know, I, I, when, I was a, when I was a school principal, um, for example, um, in my yeshiva, there was a dress code. The, the boys wore a right. hat and jacket. I never, ever discussed it with the kids during davening. If someone came without a jacket, I never said a word till after davening. Then I would go over and tell them because, and tell them, yeah, yes, please, you know, don't forget your hat and jacket tomorrow. But I never wanted to make it a, a, a public where the kids would be embarrassed. Or right. But, but more than that, um, if sometimes like Mincha would start and I was busy in a meeting and I was in shirt sleeves, I would come into shul and daven in my shirt sleeves. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit in my place up front near the near the Torah, right. I would stand in the back because I wasn't dressed properly. But I wanted to give the kids a message that if you're not wearing a hat and jacket, don't miss davening. Right. That's what I mean. That's what happens. Right. When you say everybody has to wear a hat and jacket, it's great. I did it in my own yeshiva. But when you say this is the only way to daven, what you're saying is that if you're not dressed like this, which is only a custom. You could say perhaps it's a halacha, right. depending on how you look at but it. But nonetheless, even even but you're so, right? Even so, you have no people, hat. You have to daven. How many people miss davening because they don't feel that they're going to be comfortable in shul? So I wanted to give my kids a message that don't miss davening. Okay, do something differently. I didn't sit up front, but that was my way of of, of being mechanach of, of educating our children that they are, that these are priorities. I think this this business with women pictures is just a microcosm. It's just a. Right. Uh, a microcosm of this notion of just piling on additional stringencies that never existed, that aren't rabbinic. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here. Now you have, and I know we're bouncing from topic to topic, but there's a lot I want to cover. You've been involved, and I'm, I am mentioning this and concentrating on it because there's an actual book, different versions of the same book available to help parents and children on this issue. You've been involved over the years with some high-profile, and knowing you probably some low-profile as well, cases of abuse in our community. Literally, you've taken on uh, or have been there to support, um, taken on meaning the perpetrators and, and, and been there to support meaning the victims yep. in some very high-profile and I would say dangerous, uh, dangerous for you, uh, cases of abuse in the community. Yep. And, and I'm very proud of it. And first of all, how do you get involved in that? Do you, do you read a newspaper one day or see a blog post and say, "Oh my God, this young woman needs someone in our community to help her," you know, in this situation against this monster? I got to go out there and 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 be that person. Is that how it works? Uh, well, 
you know, um, every every situation is different. I mean, obviously, I assume the one you're referring to is Nehemiah Weber, right. which was, you know, I felt at Probably the time. Probably the most high-profile one you were the, involved in. I felt at the time, when it first came to me, I felt that it would be the most important child abuse case in my lifetime because you had a, a young lady within the statute of limitations um, willing to come forward and testify against a very high-profile person. With a lot of support. With a lot, huh, a lot of support. <laughs> and, and I felt that as a teachable moment. I wrote about probably 15, 20 articles during that time right. because everybody's attention was focused on it. But how'd you meet her? How did you? So I, I, just for example, in that case, I was called by the DA's office and they asked if I would, if I would help without specifics, would I support this victim who came forward? Um, I did a lot of diligence before I got involved. I actually spoke to, I, I asked the, the, the ADA that I spoke to, I said, do you, do you, per, you, I assume if this girl is coming forward, I'm sure there are many other victims. Have you personally spoken to others? So she said, yes, many. But so they won't come forward. I said, give them my number and I'm not getting involved until I speak to a few victims. I spoke to four victims before I, before I even, before Vic- I, victims of this same person. Victims of the Chemi Yep. And I, I, um, they all told me that none of them knew each other. It was all, it was confidential. I, I didn't ask for their names, but you know, you could hear, and, right. and they, they discussed certain things. I wrote that in a piece too. Um, they discussed certain um, elements of the way he groomed them and the things that he said that were chillingly similar. Like he had an MO that, that, uh, that he did. I mean, uh, I don't know, get nauseating. One of the things that, that I probably, you know, he used to tell them that they were married in a previous Gilgal reincarnation. And convince them of that. I swear to you. And then he would, then he would wow. say, and then that was a way for him to have relations with them. Right. And then he said that they were fixing whatever. So like, you don't hear that. So like I, I did my diligence very, very carefully. I, I put 30 years of my reputation on the line. And your life, mo- most likely, well, we right? Well, got death threats, yes. It was right, very, there were very, people very that wanted nasty. to actually kill you. Well, yeah, whatever. I asked my wife separately and each of my children before I took the, before I got involved, if I could do this. I knew... The height of this case is how many years ago? Uh, it, was 2000, it was 2012. Not that long ago. 2012. Yeah. And, and, Where and, is he now? He's in jail. He's not eligible for parole. And without your involvement, would he have gone to jail? You don't know. I don't know. I, I know that. Look, the 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 D. I actually I I did some things to support the victim. Um, I actually never met her until the trial. I just expressed my my support publicly um, that at least I, her story was credible. I did not make a decision to go public until the fundraiser. If you look at the timeline, right. I went public with when my people, support. When you needed money, they to... did a fundraiser. They raised half a million dollars from for Weberman's Defense Fund. Yeah, Twelve hundred people showed up. It was covered all over the media, and I said at that point, I said, just just reiterating to the audience, it was a fundraiser for the perpetrator, not the victim. For the perpetrator, right? A moment ago, I thought it was for the victim. Defen- it's, I'm sorry, it's for the perpetrator. This was the Weberman fundraiser. Thank you. Right, it was a Weberman fundraiser. When 12, that happened, and half tw- a million was 1, raised. Twelve hundred people attended. 1,200 people attended the event. And look, he's entitled to, people right. entitled to, you know, right. he, he, he's, he, look, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, I, I certainly didn't say he's guilty. Right. You know, I felt in my heart he was guilty because of what I had heard from these other victims. Um, I also, by the way, spoke to six therapists, six separate therapists who treat people in that community, and I asked them, and everyone said, oh my God, like, I said, no confidentiality, don't break any confidentiality. Right. 
So like I did my diligence, but he's entitled to a presumption of innocence and he's entitled to have a fundraiser. I felt that the public nature of that fundraiser was a statement that the posse, we're all here and, you know. Right, come get us. So, so it was also, it was also you know, the, the fact that I, one of the heartbreaking things about this is that, is that very often the children who are abused act out antisocially, whether religiously or, you know, starting to, God forbid, use substance abusing. So then the abusers turn around and say, you're going to believe that dopey? Right. You're going to believe this young lady who's not uh, keeping Shabbat anymore or is dressed this way over him? And I say to myself, well, if you have a 15-year-old kid who's doing X, Y, and Z already, that leads me to believe that she was abused, not, right. not abused. So, you know, really, this was a, it was a gut check for me, but I felt that, you know, because how, I was there, I just felt it, I felt obligated. How are these victims today? His victim, the one, that one, I haven't, I haven't spoken to any of the others. She's doing amazingly well. She got a degree in social work. She's actually helping kids now. I'm gonna. That's amazing. You're getting very emotional. Yep. But that, that's amazing. Um, she's actually, she's actually working for an organization that supports teens at risk now. Unbelievable. And by by the way, the. the most ironic thing was I spoke to her employer, and she's the most soft-spoken. She's like, you would, if you lined up 50 people, she'd be the last person you think would have the guts to do this. Right. She just, I, I asked her why she's doing this, and she, very, she's so soft-spoken. Um, she said, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Wow. She's saving lives. She just said that. And, you know, somebody came over. One of the most moving moments for me uh, during that whole unbelievable experience I could write four books about it. Um, a, a woman, a, a woman came. She was on the stand, and there was like a break in the action. She went to a room there, and I was there with her husband. Um, and this young lady came in, and five, eight, ten years older than than the victim, and she asked her for forgiveness for not coming forward. For not coming forward, <laughs> I, I I I can't begin. I we I ran out of the room. She said, "Please be mochenly. Please forgive me. If I if I would have come forward, I would have you wouldn't be here. What you did. Right. It wouldn't have happened to you. And you know you can't make this stuff up. But you know sometimes you just you know you have an opinion, you have a thought, and from time to time you have a real gut check when uh, when the rubber meets the road. Was and, it this episode that led to the child safety books? No, we actually we were uh, we were working on it beforehand. I went to Rabbi Zlatowitz a long time ago, and this was specifically for parents and children to have a book that they could uh, that they could um, right. pursue this, this together. This was a preventative book. It, it is. It's right. a book. It's called Let's Stay Safe. You know, you can look it up, or you can get it online. That's available in any any Judaica store in the world. Basically, it's an art scroll book, and and we purposely did a partnership with Art Scroll because um, you wanted it everywhere. We wanted it everywhere. You know, it was a financial decision that worked against our interests very right. much. I gave them a finished manuscript, um, but we had a board. We had a, a two-hour board talk whether we should do it. And and you know, my trustee Mark Mark Karasik, who who's been a, a Mark and Linda have been amazingly supportive, uh, funding our work in child child safety. The name is on the book. Um, he said he said at one point in the conversation that ended the conversation. He said, "Look, we we can either get." Um, 100% of the content, meaning I'll put in everything I want, I won't edit it or anything, to, to 50% of the people, or we'll get 80% of the content to 100% of the people. And, and that one, I said, okay, we're done. 
And Rabbi Meir, I, 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 I'm still grateful to him. It was a gutsy move on his part. It was, not, it was a long time, it was nine years ago. Right. We had the first conversation different 11 atmosphere. years ago, a different atmosphere. And, and he, you know, you talk about having the guts to put a woman's picture in the paper. Could you imagine? I mean, what he, he was expecting of all out of salt, you know. Um, for, for, I mean, the, you look at the book, there, it's only, it's the most appropriate thing in the world. But but, but, that, but many people, I'm sure, would have problems with it. <laughs> you know something? Honestly, I don't think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, that Rabbi Zlatowicz and Art Scroll and Rabbi Sherman stood behind it. But um, we never got pushback, ever. Any of the work. I, I have, uh, we sold 3,000 of books to Satma community in Kiryasei, in Monroe. I did workshops in New Square. That book is in what, in Yiddish? The Yiddish book that I showed you is in, We it was... Uh, we go offline, I'll show you a picture of the Satma Manal, the, the principal reading the book to 350 kids. Um, one of my trustees has it in his office. Plus so, in Israel, you said this is now Israel, we got, finally getting around. Yeah, you you we, said it's not as fast as here, but it's getting there. Well, it's not, not as fast. Change is happening faster there. But the, you know, the, they were considerably years behind where we right. were in this curve. And you know, things tipped here and like, I think the Weberman trial had a lot. About that time, it's things just started to tip. Look, um, the, the fellow who's suing me, Jonah Weinberg, the, the abuser, uh, he went to trial. He had 200 supporters in in the courtroom every single day. It was 2009. It's not so long ago, That's I was in your studio before <laughs> then. <laughs> in 2009, Jonah Weinberg had 200 people every day in, 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 in court. I spoke to the mother of the victim. She had five, six people in her corner. He had 90 letters of support. He had 90 letters of support from very prominent people. Uh, and this was only 10, 10 years ago, Nachum. And then all of a sudden it tipped, and none of those, I don't, think, I, I don't think a single one of those 90 would do it today. They're all embarrassed. But, um, but whatever, you know, we, we changed here. And then like when I started getting aware of what was going on in Israel, it was like deja vu all over again. Like I moved back to 2008, right. But we've made enormous progress. I mean, the Rabbanim, I was begged by Rabbanim. I met with a major Hasidic Rebbe three weeks ago. In, a in Israel. In Israel. I met with the Rebbe personally. A major, major Hasidic Rebbe. I showed him the book. He absolutely loved it. He took $200 out of his pocket, and he said, I want to be your partner. <laughs> Honest to goodness. And, and we're, we're negotiating. We're talking still. You know, he might, hopefully he's, I asked him to, to get a book for every one of his families. Right. Now, Rebison Kolodetsky, Reb Chaim's daughter, gave us a letter of support. She asked me when, when we first, after she gave me the letter of support for the Haredi Hebrew book, um, she asked me, she'll give it to me on the condition that I bring her the first 10 books for Reb Chaim's children, grandchildren. And she's actually giving out free copies. I gave her, it was one of my chutzpah, <laughs> gutsy things to do. I said, I, she's such a fan of the book. I said, Rebison, I'll drop off 500 books here and you give pe people come to you for blessings, right. for brachas, give them a free book. Right. And she said, Tada. So we have a sticker. Could you imagine what that's going to do for the culture on the Haredi book? It's a, I'll show you the picture. This a gift a, of? A sticker, Matana, <laughs> is a gift from Rebetzin Kolodetsky to help keep Jewish children safe. So, you know, I, I Unbelievable. just think creatively in every way. Um, I think that's a real message. Things are really changing. There's a lot that needs to change still, but... But things are really changing. Though. Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved 
NSN app. We're talking about child safety. The book is available. We should reiterate let's that people... Let's stay safe. They can let's get, stay our safe. website is thebrightbeginningsplural.com, T-H-E-B-R-I-G-H-T, beginnings, with an S at the end, .com. They can get it on our book. They can get it at Art School. They can get it... Um, it's actually on Amazon, you know, that, that book. And then we have in Yiddish, uh, it's available in lots and lots of bookstores. And in Israel, but we're selling it subsidized. If any of your listeners from Israel, it's subsidized in all your Feinof stores and other stores. We're selling it for 15 shekel. I raised money. 15 shekels, what? Four bucks. Right. I, $3, whatever. We raised, I raised money. I still raise money to give, to subsidize the books. So and we should mention that for Israel, you have both a Haredi edition right. and a Dati Lumi edition. Right. So the pictures are culturally congruent. Right. The, the important thing for us uh, educationally is that the children should look at it and feel that, it, that it's relevant to their lives. Unbelievable. And the case, and we'll move on to other topics in a minute, the case you're involved with now uh, that you just wrote about this week uh, is demanding the extradition of, what is this woman's Malta name? Leifer. Okay, and that's because she is an abuser. Uh, an alleged abuser. She's an alleged abuser. She's an alleged what abuser. you're asking for is that she be tried in the appropriate place or not in Israel? In, in, in Australia. In Australia. See, we're, the, the, we're, well, well, she, 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 um, she's, she's, Accused, she has 74 counts of child abuse uh, registered against her in Australia. I think 10 years ago or so, she scooted out to Israel. And that's the same thing that Weinberg did, the same thing that Manjewitz did. That, 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 and they're both still there. They're both still there, right. sure, sure. And, and um, what, what happens is the, the, the Chok HaShvut, this beautiful law of return, is you, which which was founded. I mean, the backstory is uh, Israel made this Chok HaShvut, law of return. So after World War II, that every Jew has a home. And right. it's the most beautiful thing in the world. The problem is abusers abuse <laughs> it. Um, I started an article today about this whole Leifer thing. And I, 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 introduced, I introduced it by saying about the story of this rabbi has a sermon and he woke, woke up the audience. He's doing a Shabbos HaGadol Joshua before Passover. And, and he wants to raise money for funds for needy families who can't afford the Passover staples. So he says, uh, you know, folks, there's a time and a place where people should totally abandon their belief in God. <laughs> he looks up and he says, when there's a campaign to raise money, don't stay the Abish to tell from that God's going to help. <laughs> That's how I started the article. And, and I just uh, wrote it on the way here in the car. Uh, someone else was driving. And, 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 and um, you know, I wrote there that we should suspend this charitable thing um belief in belief right. in people you know all these wonderful wonderful things right. the, that, ba the basic jewish principle and of, Pidyan Shvuyim, right uh that believe it or not there were ads running in israel now uh Pidyan Shvuyim in hebrew you know of course means uh, so, uh work for the release of prisoners release of prisoners which right. in, in in you know generally for those who are who in Jewish history have been innocent, have been have been wrongly imprisoned, right. wrongly imprisoned, and also prison was a death sentence. Right. It wasn't like and Pidush Shevi really means captive, not in a formal prison where right. some warlord grabs you, puts a, put somebody in a you know in a, in a cage somewhere, and and so so we consider it the highest uh, level of charity. Right. Now they're saying. Get Mal Khalifa out of prison. It's Pidgin Shvoyim. Right. That's what really got me worked up to write, to write this. Is piece. she in fact in prison right now? Um, there was a whole thing. What happened was she she went to many hearings again and again and again, and she um, she would get these letters from doctors that she's not normal, that she's not able to to, to stand. Right. No, no, she's not only to be extradited; she can't even function at the hearing. Uh -huh. And um, what happened is actually, uh, I mean, you, you, so they're actually considering extradition. Yeah, sure. I mean, now, now there's been discussion, but the, 
there are these three sisters from Australia who've been schlepping to Israel for the hearings. And I can't even imagine. I have this nonsense. This guy is suing me. It's, you know, Weinberg, it's not going to change my life. I mean, these are victims. They go into court and they watch this woman who abused them shuffle in and say, you know, she's not capable of, of, of uh, standing trial or whatever it is. And they keep pushing it off for years. You should just read it. You read the, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and um, what, what JCW, um, hired a detective to film her, and they filmed her walking around the neighborhood there. Totally know? normal person. And she went well, to the, you know what I mean. There was actually, I, I can't testify to this, but I, I mean, I do a reports in the paper that she was actually tutoring kids already. In, in, she's in Beitar Elit. I, I, one, of my, one of my Facebook posts yesterday, um, I wrote a post there that the people, for people who think that it's a mitzvah to take in, you know, Malka Leifer or whatever it is, would you, I, I didn't write her name. I wrote any abuser. If right. you, oh, like, I wrote like Malka Leifer. If, if you think it's, it's a wonderful, uh, positive That's commandment it. to do this, great. Take them into your home. Would you put them in with your home or your grandchildren? Or it's only okay when you're risking other people's lives? That's what I wrote there. Just simple. If, if, if you believe that it's charitable to, to, to get this woman out of prison and put her somewhere, are you willing to take her in your house? And if you're not, how dare you support the fact that she should go out and molest other people's children? Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz is here. Yeshiva Darchinom is, is still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stepped down a few. A few. We actually merged with uh, Rabbi Radinsky's uh, Ruvain. Oh, he's my, amazing. My, my dear, Radinsky. dear friend. Yep, yep. See, he's, he's, he's a... How do I say? Yes, yes. He's a, he, he's a rabbinic leader who seems to. Well, you could see he and I getting along. Right. Who seems to be very <laughs> well thought out. Yeah, yeah. He's a tremendous Talmud Chacham. And, um, but nonetheless has, yeah, sometimes absolutely. today when you say Talmud Chacham, you're right. not sure. <clears throat> so when I saw, actually, when I saw this situation in Israel, um, I went uh, about four or five years ago and I was aghast. I, I felt like I, I was back in America in 2005. 2000 when nobody wanted to hear anything right. and I you know another tough decision you know I decided that plus my desire to do the Gemara books I decided to step down from the yeshiva like over a period gradually over a period of right. a year and um, so I stepped down a few years ago to concentrate on child safety and this new generation of Gemara materials and why did we need a new generation of Gemara materials you want the elevator pitch? Yes, because, <laughs> because we're running out of time, but okay. we have to cover it. Gemara is a tort law class in a foreign language with no punctuation. Okay? As we expect fourth graders to get it. Exactly. Whatever, fifth, sixth, right. whatever it is. Uh, that's really what it is. It's really, really, why are you smiling? Because it's like preparing for the LSATs, and you wouldn't do that to a fifth grader. It, it, it wouldn't do it to an adult. Wouldn't do it to an adult. Right. If you look at the Balchuvi yeshivas, the yeshivas for newly observant people, you see a lot of these Balchuvi people who embraced religion in the twenties or thirties. A lot of them are learning Gemara beautifully. Right. One of the things that I tell one when evaluating Balchuvi yeshivas, I ask them, "How do you teach Gemara?" And some of them say, "Well, we get them a chavrusa, we get them a study partner." But the big ones are Sameach and Aish. They have a six-month program that looks like my book without uh, the materials i'm actually we're, we're trying to get a pub i'm working on getting it published for adults without the graph without the, the children's graphics but they take the children they take these adults they're bright people and you just sit down with them and say okay here's how gemara works gemara is a discussion um it goes through the following steps there's a statement there's a a question a, a request for information 
there's an answer, there's a proof, there's a refutation of the proof, there's a, there's a, and have them explain how the steps work, who these people are, why it's important, um, all the things that you need to, to know in order to learn Gemara. And I got this, you know, the, the passion to make these books. Part of it was my own experience as a student. I, I, I honestly, I'm not being modest and I'm not proud of it. I, I really didn't learn a word till I was like 16. Um, I'm, you see how restless I am now. Could you imagine me? <laughs> Would you want it to be? You want it to be eighth grade, Revy? So I'm saying, so, so you know, school was a big struggle for me, and I would have benefited enormously from these videos. People say, oh, oh yeah, I wish I would have had this when I was a kid. Oh, where were you when I was a kid? I say, where was I when I was a kid? Right. <laughs> no, so, so, and, that, and then also I taught uh, um, a remedial track of Gemara for 15 years, and my students came to me, um, some of whom you know well from the public, uh, from the entertainment industry, um, uh, these great kids, talented. Maya Fertig is my first student, my first year. He's a great kid. Look how spunky he is, how brilliant and amazing man. Yeah, so like, you know, the kids, they, they, they just came in, they were bewildered that they never got Gemara. Like, why can't I get this? I can get everything else. They weren't taught. They just, the, these pieces of information. So if the introduction to Gemara is Elam Shalai, how do you expect the kids to? So some people do, some people right. don't. So we made this program with the basically the background information to begin with. That there's a green pages. We have a pre-Gemara section, that's by far you know it's the most popular. And then we actually have the the lessons broken down, the components with translation words and 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 all the graphics and and the visual aids that kids need. Um, so thank God we're in over a hundred schools. We sold six thousand copies of that. First Brachas book without and, without even taking a single ad. I and you mentioned that Rabbi Aaron Spivak is a big force yes, behind this. Yes, he's a, he's he's is it. He's the author. And um, who who should be looking? Well, you said a hundred schools, right? Yep. So, but there are a lot of other schools, right? Yep. I mean, they, they, how, how would people go about? So they can they can just go to thebrightbeginnings.com. They could look up your know, Google search Yaakov Horowitz beginner Gemara. Might be easier for people. We have a lot of videos that are free on YouTube that that uh, that help people. I actually, if anybody's interested, if you've never gotten Gemara, if you're in yeshiva for 15 years and you never got Gemara, or if you're a, a woman, a single mom trying to do Gemara homework with your kids, I there's a go do his Google search on YouTube. It's a YouTube video. It's called uh, Ground Floor to Art Scroll in an Hour. I designed a class for people who never opened the Gemara or Mishnais in their life. I did a 55-minute class. I did it for <laughs> Sister to Sister, which is a organization for divorced mothers. Wow. Um, it's free. It's on YouTube. Nachum, find someone who doesn't know Gemara. Give them the video. I, I no guarantees in life. I can almost, I could almost tell you that they'll. There's a very decent chance that they'll be able to pick up an art scroll Gemara and learn on their own, after after just understanding the basics. You're pretty amazing, I must say. TheBrightBeginnings.com. TheBrightBeginnings.com would be the uh, uh, easiest way, I guess. Right, or oh, just Google search. Yeah, uh, Yaakov Horowitz, uh, Beginner Gemara, uh, Bright Beginnings, you know, Talmud. Really easy these days, huh? Yeah, it's a lot easier. To find all this stuff. Yeah, yes, it is. Pretty amazing. Uh, and if you're uh, one of the schools that's not part of the 100 schools that already has the introductory Gemara books, you may want to look into that very seriously. Plus... If you're a family that doesn't have the child safety books yet, or again, a community or yep. a leader of a group, whether it be a class, a principal, et cetera, and you don't think that this book has made inroads in your circle, in your get school, in. et cetera, get yeah. it in there as soon as possible. Again, you can contact Rabbi Horowitz on that one. And um, in terms of everything else that you continue to advocate for and fight for, uh, all I could say is kolakavod. 
Thank you, Nachum. It's, it's an honor to be here. It's are a pleasure. You, we got to do this more often. I agree with that. Are you rooting for the Yeshiva University basketball team tomorrow? And the reason I'm asking you that question yes. is because I find that you are one of those people that understands the value of representing the Jewish people well, no matter what the arena is, excuse the pun. And Absolutely. when guys get on the court with yarmulkes and act like mention and get a reputation Absolutely. that they have, which is not just great ball players, but the, the type of people you want to hang out with and yep. you want your kids to hang Absolutely. out with. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, but they are, they, they are, they are, they are mockbid on having Divrei Torah in the locker room before oh, the that's game. That's amazing. I'd love to go. Tell me, when, when's the game? 12 <laughs> noon tomorrow. Do I save you a seat or not? Uh, in Washington no, I'm, Heights. I'm actually going to be on my way to, uh, <laughs> I'm going, I'm lecturing in the, in, in Cherry Hill. Can I at least text you with the results? Absolutely. <laughs> I just want to tell you something. Is, sure. is it really, I know, I know we've pressed the time, but, um, athletics are so important. Kids learn right. so much from me. I think it's so unfortunate that, that there aren't enough organized sports for the kids. You know, there's a craft stadium in Jerusalem. Sure. And our son-in-law was playing in a flag football team. He's a, you know, you kind of guy. He's a, he's a football <laughs> he's player. He's a football player. <laughs> Dovin Mayalova's his name is. He's in, he's in, they live in Baltimore with our daughter, Feige. And um, I, I, we were in a hotel, and, and the, there, was a, there was a playoff game that night. We were in a hotel for Shabbos. So I said, we're going to the game tonight. So one of the guys says, oh, he says, you know, when we were in Yishalayim, we sat and learned. Nobody right. had time for this You're stuff. Football I game. said, yeah. I said, come to me tonight to Kikar Tzion. I'll show you what they're dealing crack in the street. Right. I said, you know, it's, it's, when parents say, should I let my child do this, that my standard answer is you didn't finish the sentence. If I don't do the, if I say no, then what are, what the are they going to do? Right? And, and about sports, by the way, I used to use sports and that's all the years I was teaching I never went to class without reading the sports section that day because I, I knew that there was going to be something. I, I never went to class. I used to order the Times, and I'd read the sports section before and, the Internet. And when we asked my father, who was born in Russia and then lived in Palestine mm -hmm. most of his youth, yep. why he knew baseball, you know, and when we would ask him sure. this when we were kids, he said he knew he had to learn baseball in order to relate to the youth in the United States. Rabbi Scheinberg, Rabbi Chaim Scheinberg, Oliver Shalom, the great tzaddik from Yish sure. I, I brought my kids, I, I brought my students to him for a bracha. So he walks in, he says, are you a Yankee fan or a Met fan? <laughs> I kid you not. He says, all Met fans go out. <laughs> oh my gosh, is that <laughs> and then funny. He was, he was trash talking with them about the, you know, it was hysterical. But what, this is why he did it. Kids are, he knew kids he are interested in mortgage right. payments. You know, I'm, I'm saying that like, you, you want to talk to kids again. By the way, just just they say about Rav Scheinberg. By the way, when he would pass a newspaper in yeah. New York and see the Yankees lost, it, it's a teeth and value. It would hurt him. Yeah, yeah, You know, I just just last thing. You should look it up yourself. I don't know if you saw it. Um, do a, a Google search for Limud football. Okay. Well, will that tell us? There's a there's a. I happen to have stayed in their in their their home in the Vedanil. I was lecturing there. Um, this adorable 16, 17-year-old kid made videos uh, with clips of football games um, teaching laws of Shabbos and, and laws of carrying because you have to carry right. the public to the private right. domain. I used to do this in my class 35 years ago when I taught um, Elon Bus a knife. There's a tree on the air. Right. It sticks on the inside. The right. My kids hated. Oh, Rebbe, what do you think Mayo would say for the back <laughs> of the class? Oh, another thing we really need in our lives, you know? So... I used to give example. I always had sports examples for stuff. So I used to give an example um, that that if uh, use I, I use exactly what this kid did. He's much better than I am. But 
if your feet a catch on the sidelines go by where your feet are right. where the ball is right but in the end zone it goes by breaking the plane correct so this kid teaches Hilchah is the laws of Shabbat is when you go from public domain to private right. domain so the the Talmud the Mishnah and the Talmud talk about what happens if your hand is in private domain right. you stretch out to right. public domain so he has a Julio Jones on the sideline <laughs> doing an Akira putting a Hanukkah I kid you not I yeah, love you have it. To look it up. I it's, love it it's, he got, I, I boosted him all of him he's got Tens of thousands of years. I love it. And he, this kid really knows how to learn. The <laughs> Hishata and this And then he, this kid's hysterical. So he says, he, he poses a question like a Gemara head would do. So he says, the sidelines, it goes by your feet. The end zone, it goes by, by your the ball. What happens if you catch the ball in the end zone with your feet out? Oh my God. Is that you have great? to see it. It's hysterical, but that it's just great. the way you want to reach right. kids. Exactly. Robert Horowitz, I thank you. A pleasure. Check him out, everybody. Easy to find him uh, by you can searching. Follow Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Yakov Horowitz. He's everywhere. Rabbi Yakov Horowitz and thebrightbeginnings.com. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.